good to be back. Towards the end of, of last academic term, I was walking up the, the hill uh, where we live to the school, which at that point all four of our children attended. I think I've told some of you this already, but I turned to the eldest who was going to secondary school, who now is at secondary school, and I said to her, so what do you, what do you see? What do you think? What's going on? And she just turned to me and said, Dad, well, Dad, it's a new chapter, isn't it? It's a new chapter, isn't it? And I don't know if you find this, but sometimes, yeah, in the course of ordinary life, words that people say, can often be your children or your friends or family members or just somebody completely random, they land with a specific power, a weight, a force on them. Now, I've, I've been alive uh, long enough, 39 years now, and I'm glad to say counting, to know to pay attention to those words. And I do believe that is descriptive of where many of us are feeling at the moment. You'll be feeling that anyway, because we're in a new academic year, and as much as we like to think the calendar year has sway, so many of us are now ruled by what happens in the academic year. September is a new start, and not just for those of us who are enjoying the beginning of a football season. It's a new beginning. We feel that, a new a fresh start in some ways, and we feel that as a church, and I think we'd be feeling that anyway. We have just celebrated, very personally, not expecting any of you to, join, to have joined us, we've just celebrated six years in this city, and I think as we look at this moment as a church, and even as a nation, we're looking at lots of new beginnings, new opportunities, and so we wanted to spend some time in this period really intentionally making a transition from one period of a life of our church into another. And I think we'd be feeling that anyway, but it certainly feels very clearly that we are doing that after, I don't want to reference the pandemic endlessly, but that there is a discrete period of time that I think we've passed from and we are coming into something fresh. So what we want to do over the next few weeks is really to take our bishop's advice, uh, Bishop Paul's advice and indeed the Apostle Paul's advice to do three things from Colossians 4.2, to devote ourselves to prayer to be watchful, and to be thankful, to give thanks. And so why don't we begin with thanks. What have we got, Amy, to be thankful for? Yes, I'm going to just briefly tell you the story um, of the last six years. Um, and really, just even I was sort of sat there and praying about this, it really is just a story of gratitude uh, for God's unbelievable faithfulness and kindness uh, to, to us and this community and our team uh, for what he's done. Um, and so we um, arrived, some of you will know the story, some of you might be hearing this for the, for the first time or a bit of a catch up, but we arrived um, here in Nottingham with a small team in 2016. And uh, the bishop kindly invited uh, Johnny and I to plant a church here in the center, a resourcing church in the center of Nottingham. And, uh, and Joy and I had never done this before, <laughs> uh, and so we arrived, uh, and uh, we were unsure of what to do, um, and so what we knew best was we will, well, we're going we're gonna to worship, and we're going to wait. Um, and so when we arrived, that's exactly what we did with our small team in our home. Uh, we were in our front room, and we simply waited on the Lord, and we worshipped. And the sense that we got when we arrived in Nottingham was that we were joining um, an army of prayers that had gone before us. It really felt like the Lord's hand was upon this city, and it felt a little bit like 
we were kind of saying, you know, okay, well, what's our part to play in this story that you have in Nottingham? The people that we've met who have been praying over this city for years and years and years and years. And even the history of God moving in this city is incredible. So we felt tentative. It definitely felt like, okay, Lord, we've been invited into a much bigger story. What's our part to play? And so we met, as I said, in our home and, uh, and that, began, that sort of began to build. Um, we, um, we gathered kids uh, right from the off, kid be, kids being the real heartbeat of the church, given that we've got four, that we had eight first go uh, with our team, the amount of kids that we had. Um, and we did kids' church in our, in our kitchen. I mean, I'm still honestly wiping paint off um, the walls from having kids' church there. Um, so we, we did that, and it was incredible, actually, because we would... Um, worship in our garden at times and uh, and we go to a local school and one of the mums said do you on Sundays do you you know what do you do in your in your home um, and we said oh yeah we're gathering we're, we're planting a church here in Nottingham we're you know we're pastors we're gonna and we and we worship God in our garden and she said oh it's just so beautiful I come down my garden um, to hear the singing um, from the neighborhood which is amazing so um, so we heard you know many stories like that as we gathered in that season um, and then we sort of outgrew our front room, um, and we um, decided that we were going to meet in this building. Now, this building at the time was completely derelict, and for those that are familiar with Nottingham, will know that uh, this used to be an auction house. It was the Neil's Auction House, um, and it had been derelict for many, many years. Um, but the um, the diocese had bought this building for us to um, to worship in, but it wasn't done yet. So, um, if anything, this building was full of pigeons more than people, <laughs> and so. Um, and so we left our home and we're like, do you know what, let's, let's just meet in here. Let's consecrate this place and we're going to meet and we're going to worship. Um, and so we met in this space and again, we just worshiped the Lord. Johnny took us through Acts, I believe. Um, and we worshiped and we waited and we prayed like, God, your will, your way. What do you have for this church? And, um, and so we did that. It was completely free. Who was there? Anyone in the room? Yes. Freezing cold, uh, pigeons everywhere. It was all good. And um, anyway, we did that for a long time. And what we really sensed in that season was that God was with us. Um, he, his presence was thick with us. And we've always felt that as we have worshipped in this space. And actually, just aside, I, um, I was meeting uh, just downstairs. I was chatting to one of our team members who has a, t- who has a friend here for the weekend. Um, and they popped in on Friday because they had some work to do. And this woman was just saying to me that um, as soon as she walked in the building, she suddenly started crying. Um, and she was saying, as I walked in, I just wasn't expecting it, but the presence of God in this space is amazing. And we have really sensed that, even from uh, the derelict um, days. Um, anyway, so we did that. And, uh, and then we, we basically found out that we were meeting illegally <laughs> uh, because we had no insurance. Um, you know, things you learn when you <laughs> plant a church for the first time. But we had no insurance, so we had to move out of this building. And so uh, we moved from this building, and very kindly, uh, we were able to borrow St. Barnabas um, Church. So we met there, and again, we worshipped, we, wait, we waited, we, we hung out, we'd, we met one another, and, and um, had a lot of fun together as we built the community and what God was saying um, for us. And then, um, in 2017, um, we uh, spent some time... Uh, 
basically painting the walls <laughs> in this space. Um, not here, but downstairs where the kids meet now. Uh, we had paint parties to then be able to officially launch the church, which basically meant meeting on a Sundays and sort of making it known to um, the wider city that we were officially um, going to be meeting um, and open to anyone to come and join with us. And so we opened the doors 2017 downstairs um, for our Easter service. Um, and again, it was a wonderful time. And on that particular uh, morning, um, we um, met with this incredible man called Don. And I'm sure many of you have heard this story. Um, but he came to the front and Johnny got to chatting to him. And, uh, and basically, he was explaining to us that he had had a dream many, many years ago, like four years ago or so, um, and had a dream. And, um, and the specifics of that, I'm not going to explain, but there is a podcast, there's a, you know, go onto YouTube and you can hear the full story of him sharing it, which is, I highly recommend going to do. But in essence, he had this dream. And one of the two words that came out um, of this dream was he felt like God um, say that he's going to glorify himself in this place, that he's going to glorify himself in this place. And the other thing that he sensed from the dream is that he heard worship like he had never heard before. Now, granted, this dream was when this was a derelict space, no church, not even any conversation about this being a church. And in the dream, in this conversation with God, God said to him, I want you to go consecrate this building. And so he came and he consecrated this building by basically chucking olive oil and prayer all over the outside um, of this building, saying, this is your, this is your building, you, your work, your will um, in this place. And he did that for over two and a half years once a week before any conversation of this church um, was even in place. Um, and so, like I said, we've arrived really on the, yeah, on the back of these prayers of this um, consecration that God had already put in place uh, before we even arrived here. So really, you know, sort of God glorifying himself in this place and worship that he'd never seen before is really the foundation of everything that we are going to be talking about over the next four years. You know, we have just gone after God and his presence. We just want to do all that God wants for us, um, for our church and for our city. We just want to hear him and obey. And we want to be worshipers. We want to lead a people that worship God. I want to worship him more. You know, I want to worship him wholehearted with everything that I have. I want that for myself and I want that for us um, in this church. And so we have also, you know, we, we, we've seen God do amazing things. Um, we've, we're going to um, sort of, we're going to drip feed stories across the four weeks. Um, but really, God has done remarkable things. We've seen breakthroughs. We've seen transformation. We've seen people come to Jesus. We've seen healing, physical healing, emotional healing. Um, we have, in compassion, you'll know through COVID, we've fed numerous families across our city. And we've got um, yeah, partnerships and conversations and support happening with um, refugees and asylum seekers. I mean, the stories are um, endless. And we're going to be drip feeding some of those. But to kick us off, um, this week, we wanted to have a little interview with Louise. Come here, Louise. Uh, why don't you give her a round of applause as she comes to share. <laughs> Louise, come. I'll, I'll, um, oh, Johnny, why don't you, you ask the questions and then she can hold them. Oh, okay. <laughs> Louise, ever, many people here already know you, so um, 
they'll perhaps know some of this, but why don't you tell us briefly what was going on in your life uh, before or as you were contemplating faith for the first time? Yeah, so I mean, I feel totes emotion since you guys have just <laughs> sat and told that story. I've sort of sat thinking, oh, in a minute they're going to call me up and I'm going to have to come and speak. You want me to sit? Okay, I'll sit. Okay. Um, so this time six years ago, I was also in Nottingham. I'm from Nottingham originally, and I didn't know Johnny and Amy. Um, and some of you have heard my story before. So my first husband, George, was desperately ill with bowel cancer. And I think it's quite interesting that you say, oh, you know, considering faith. I don't think for me faith was something that I ever considered. It was more something that, that happened to me and happened to me in a really, really big, big way. And it happened when nothing else made sense. So I think the scripture that we read this morning was so interesting about, you know, just praying for the kingdom to come. I, I didn't even know what the kingdom coming meant until the kingdom came into a hospital room in Arnold. And that was of a result of me crying and screaming out to God, who was someone I didn't know. And I remember being sat in this hospital room and thinking, whoa, this like cloud feeling is pretty weird. And um, my husband, who's in loads of pain now, is not. I need, I need someone that knows about Jesus. And the, there was a girl who'd been praying. And for those of you that don't know, and this is absolutely not me trying to sell my book, but I actually have written the story of what happened because it was so remarkable. I asked the person who'd originally prayed with us and said, look, do you know anyone? Do you know anyone in Nottingham who can come and pray because I need a professional prayer person? <laughs> and lo and behold, I was connected to, to Johnny and, and Amy. And I think hands down, the first message that I sent to Johnny is probably one of the most mm -hmm. ridiculous text messages that I've ever sent. It went something along the lines of, Hi, I'm Louise. My husband's dying in hospital, and um, I don't know who God is, but I think he might be here, and this is absolutely bonkers. I think you need to come and see this, and um, I've heard that you know about prayer, and I've also heard that you're here to um, plant a church. I know nothing about churches, but I know quite a lot about business in Nottingham, and I feel overwhelmed that maybe I'm supposed to help you. Honestly, it was this ridiculous. And so Johnny walks up to the hospital not even knowing where to come, no, I went to the wrong place of the city. Yeah. yeah, and sat down with me, and I'm thinking, okay, finally, this is great. This, this person that knows all about God is here. And I sit down with Johnny, and I say, so um, this weird thing's happened. There's, like, clouds in the room. My husband's feeling really peaceful and overwhelmed, and I've been praying to God, and, you know, he's been, he's been replying to me on my phone. Mm. <laughs> and at that point, Johnny goes, sorry, what? And I went, oh, yeah, you know, I've, I've sent him some texts, and I've got the text back. Yeah. We won't go into all the detail today, but it was mm. remarkable in terms of what happened. And the story of, I suppose, my faith and my life is just really wrapped up into the beginnings of, of mm. this church. I, I dread it if anyone ever says to me, so how did you, how did you find Trinity? I'm yeah. sort of like, oh, well, yeah. here's my book. Yeah. <laughs> so... Maybe this, the next two questions you can kind of answer in one. Like, what difference has Jesus, finding Jesus in that way, made to your life? And what part has this community played? 
I mean, finding Jesus is just, I've sat this morning trying to think of the words to describe the difference that finding Jesus means. And I think when you find Jesus, you, you know why it's so hard to describe. And where I've got to this morning is Jesus makes sense when everything else doesn't. You know, when there's chaos and trauma, Jesus can still make sense. And I felt God say to me really strongly this morning, you know, just encourage other people that it's often in the times when, you know, things are really, really, really hard that God is really, really, really there. And that's often the moment that we question and wonder and think, no, he's not here for me in the way that, you know, I think he is for everyone else. Or people look around and kind of go, oh, you've got, you've got the perfect life. So, of course, you know, you believe in this Jesus guy too. But for me, it was when life did not make sense that Jesus made sense to me for the first time. And it is just this whole thing of just, you know, you set your heart to earth and, it's, and the flesh and it's death. And you set your heart to the spirit and it's, it's just life. It's mm. hope. It's, it's something that nothing else mm. can give you. It's amazing. Thank you, Louise. Thank you. Thank you very much. Let's thank Louise. Yeah, I mean, Louise's story and um, her family's story has, has kind of set so much DNA in this place. We're very grateful to have her share. Thank you. While, um, while I was sitting outside the tent at Focus a few weeks back, some of you were with us, and uh, we were sitting around a, pr a pretend campfire. Uh, that's not Focus. <laughs> For those who are concerned about coming next, week, next year, <laughs> that's not Focus. We'll get there, though. We will. <laughs> I was sitting next to Adam Jones, and uh, Adam just, again, said uh, two words which really resonated with me. They captured a sense of um, what I think God was inviting us into. He said them in a completely different context, but the words he used were base camp. And as I heard those words, again, like my daughter's words, they popped. They had a power and a resonance. And it struck me in that moment that I think at Focus we had roughly 150 of you that were there. Uh, some more visited as day guests. And I thought, gosh, if 150 people committed themselves fully to something, to achieving a goal together under God, to climbing a mountain, so to speak, what could be possible? And then it struck me that we had many more people than that who were at least partly considering doing exactly that. And it struck me that base camp was a really good vision, an image to catch us as we come into this season of vision to think about where exactly we are. We've been doing this for six years. We've been here, and it's amazing what God's done. You've just heard Amy speak about that. You've just heard Louise personally testify to the role that God through the life of this church has played. But we're only now at the foothills. We're only at base camp. We've spent all of this time, energy, prayer, Many of us have spent vast amounts of money as well, and we've established a staging post, a beginning point. We have not reached our destination. That really is the message today, that we are in a really exciting place, an exhilarating place, a dangerous place, uh, but we're not where we want to go. For those unfamiliar, a base camp is somewhere you go to prepare to climb a steep mountain. Henrietta, we can now see the picture. Not focus. 
2023, although you never know. This is Everest Base Camp, uh, and this is where you go if you have it in your heart to climb that mountain. It's the place you go to gather your kit together and to acclimatize to an, a new environment so that you can go again, so that you can go on the journey. Now, those of you who are familiar with Everest will already know that Everest has two base camps. There's one on the Nepali side, there's one on the Chinese side, and they're both very high up. The Nepali base camp is 5,336 meters above sea level. So think of a five and a half K run, if you can imagine that, uh, up, just straight up. Uh, for those of you who know your geography, if you want to go north from here uh, toward Arnold, when you hit Arnold Asda, you've done five and a half K, that high. If you want to go west from here, travel from here to Woolerton Hall. Do that upwards, that high. If you want to go south, if you want to find your way to West Bridgeford, Asda, I don't know why Asda's getting all the love this morning, uh, that far is how high. Or you want to go east, uh, slightly more morbid, but Carlton Cemetery to the east. <laughs> no offense, those who live in the east. Now, the interesting thing is that base camps are dangerous. Precarious places to be in 2015, an earthquake hit Everest base camp and 19 people died of under the avalanche. Base camps are usually, so to put it into feet, for those of you who still work in that money, 17 to 19,000 feet of altitude is where the body starts to decay. Base camps are based around 18,000 feet. The point is that you're supposed to be stretched beyond your limit. You're supposed to be in the base camp beyond the point where your flesh can survive so that you can begin to breathe in a different way. So you can begin to breathe the life of God's spirit. And I feel that we as a church, we've not come to the end of God, but we are coming to the end of ourselves. We have a vision which is much bigger than any of us can achieve. And honestly, what God has done so far has been amazing. But so much of it has come, I think, as the fruit of our hard work, devotion, and commitment. I am interested in what is not possible. That's what I'm interested in. I'm interested, we are interested, God is interested in what we can't do. God is interested in what is beyond our strategies and our plans and our visions. God is interested in what he can do and he is waiting for a people who will step beyond base camp into a place where we can no longer breathe the air, where he has to breathe for us and in us. It's no small thing to arrive at base camp. Some people go to base camp, that is their life's achievement, and they write the book and publicize it. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I've never been to Everest Base Camp. I don't ever intend to go, God forbid. <laughs> it's amazing. If you've done that, wow, that's a major achievement. But when it comes to church, the goal is not to get there. The goal is to climb beyond there. The goal is to summit the mountain, to go beyond where each of us can breathe in our own strength. We as a church are at base camp. What does this look like? We've got some slides. Next one, Henrietta, if we can. The question, we can hit that. Oh, it's, we do have that slide, just not on this up here. Uh, the question, and next one, see if that resets it. Yeah, just before that, <laughs> we've got a glitch, 
in the technology as prophesied. So the first thing is that there is room for us in this vision. This is a vision for a community to climb together. This is not something that anyone's going to do on other people's behalf. Where we are, let's describe this with you. It's pie charts and uh, <laughs> other charts. That's the next slide. At the moment, if you can see that, this is just a, a, a broad perspective on where we are. Currently, we reckon that about a third of us, it's about 35% or 34%, around a third, of our, of our regular worshiping community are volunteering to support the life, the weekly life of the church. It's not just on Sundays, that's beyond Sundays, but it definitely also includes Sundays. So that's about a third of us are engaged currently. That's awesome. That's amazing. It's amazing that a third of us are doing some, some way measurably committed to making this thing happen and to seeing this mission uh, happen in our city. That's awesome. And we celebrate, and, we, and that's, that's, as, that's as broad as uh, serving on teams. That's uh, serving down at our allotment. That's the home space on Wednesday. That's kids. That's worship and all that great stuff. But there's room for more, isn't there? And two-thirds of us are not yet engaged in that. And our longing is to see us together as a family engaging. So practically, back to that slide, uh, Henrietta, that you just showed. Uh, in each of these areas, let's look at kids. We have 32 uh, volunteering spaces taken in kids. That's awesome. But there's another 52 spaces. And if all of those were filled, nobody would have to serve more than once a month. There's room. Home uh, space on Wednesday and connect spaces, about 50% of those spaces are taken. But again, there is room for more. Worship and production, uh, 38 of those spaces taken. That's amazing. 22 seats waiting to be filled. If you really want to lead worship here on a Sunday, you want to be at the back where Henrietta is right now. And Luke is absolutely smashing it. There's so much room. You don't actually have to have a singing ability to be part of the worship and production team. And then youth. Just as an example, we have about half of our spaces filled there. There is room for more. We're only at base camp. But then we look not just at volunteering. Let's look beyond that. Again, with giving, it's roughly the same situation. It's amazing to see almost 40% of our community regularly engaged in financial giving. That's great. That's base camp. But we want to go beyond that. And we want to see a greater engagement in financial giving. We want to see that because that is God's heart for each of us, that we would be leaning into discipleship in every area of our lives. So if you're not giving to the life of the church, our invitation in this season is to step in in a fresh way into that. And we'll be talking about that specifically in weeks to come. Next slide. Back to that question that God asked me, I think, Oh, sitting with Adam, how much more could God do through this church, through each of our lives, if we stepped beyond what we're comfortable with, into the space, into the territory we haven't climbed? What could God have imagined for us? Now, as we come roughly into land, I just want to look at one passage of Scripture in Hebrews, because this image, biblical image of a mountain is, uh, well, it's biblical. Uh, what we read in Hebrews is this from verse 18. You have not come to a mountain that can be touched, that is burning with fire to darkness, gloom, and storm, to a trumpet blast, or to such a voice speaking words that those who heard it begged them that no further word could be spoken 
to them. In Scripture, mountains speak of encounter, of revelation, where directions are given and received and where God's glory is seen. Mountains are places of transformation and hope. And so what we see the, the, the writer of Hebrews saying to the church is that you haven't come to a mountain like this. And that mountain that the, the author of Hebrews is talking about is the mountain where God's law was given to God's people. And it refers to the giving of the law where God's holiness and power is revealed in such a way that the people were utterly terrified. In fact, we see Moses himself, the leader of the people who knew God pretty well, trembling with fear. In Deuteronomy 5, verses 4 to 5, we read that the people are so terrified that they refuse God's invitation to go up the mountain, and Moses alone goes in fear and trembling. How many of us do that? We say, God, I'd love to come closer to you, but I'm actually scared, and I'm going to refuse the offer because I want my settled existence. I like the comfort of this high on the mountain, and I don't want to go further and move beyond. I think each of us feels that, this far and no further, God. But God is calling his church in this, not just Trinity Church, his church in this time to go further up and further in with him. But the author of Hebrews makes an interesting point, and the point is this. But you have not come to that mountain. You have come to Mount Zion, not Mount Sinai. You have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, You've come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly and so forth. In other words, Mount Zion, the place where the the new law, God's heavenly kingdom was to be established, that is the place to which the church is called. That is the mountain that each of us is called to step up. In other words, it is the mountain where God is, the mountain of his presence, the mountain of the kingdom of God. And what do we find as we ascend it? Well, it says there are angels Thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly. We find the church of the firstborn whose names are written in heaven. We find God's people walking up the mountain together. It says you've come to God, the judge of all. We find God. He is the goal. He's the vision. He's the one up the mountain. And we find the spirits of the righteous made perfect. We come to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the word of Abel. We want to climb the mountain as a church. Why? Not because we have some clever vision we want to sell you this September. We want to climb the mountain because Jesus is the goal. He's the one up the mountain. And our goal as a church is to press on in what God said to us in the first place. To see the church on fire and the city alive. That means pursuing his presence. Simply put, we're called to climb a mountain where the gift at the top is God himself. That's why we're called further up, because God is inviting his people into his presence. We want to be as clear as we can at the beginning of this vision month. The vision of this church is not changing. We are simply God's people pursuing God's presence together. And that will not and cannot change. But there is a warning in this Hebrews text which is heavy. And we need to hear it. The author says, see to it that you do not refuse him who speaks. I want to say that together. This is such an important time for the church, not just for this. I'm not actually talking about Trinity Church, but for the church at this moment in history. And it is 
it is for us to see to it that we don't refuse the invitation to step up and to step on and to step in. It would be easy to see the way that the world is being shaken and to say, God, I, I can't go any further. I'm satisfied with where I am. I've, honestly, I've got to tap out at this point. I'm fearful. I don't know how I'm going to make ends meet. I don't know what's going to happen in the future, and I can't go any further. I can't give you any more. I am staying put. But I think that these moments of shaking, of the kind that we're in as a culture, these are the moments for the church not to stay where they are, but to step in and to step on and to step further in faith and confidence that as we climb, we will be enabled to breathe a different air. That God will meet us and satisfy our desires, not just for us, but for the sake of those that we have been sent to minister to and to love. It is not a time to shrink back. It is a time to press in together, to enjoy God, to see and encounter God in new ways. So over the next few weeks, we're going to look at what it means for us to do that together. We're going to begin with the call this Sunday. Then um, just before the service, I we were praying for the service, and I saw this picture of um, a, a can, like a baked bean tin, um, and it was in the cupboard, um, and 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 I felt like there was a frustration that this um, this can or whatever it was was sitting there, but there was no can opener. I didn't know it was like it was fr- the, the feeling was this frustration. I can't open it. Like how do I? begin to open this can and see what's in it. And so even, I just feel like even over these last, uh, these sort of next four weeks, um, the hope is that we can, um, I guess, communicate what we're seeing God doing, that where we've been watchful, where we're seeing, where he's moving and communicate to us uh, all where we can join and where we can maybe even take this can um, and begin to open what God has for every single one of us individually and together um, that perhaps we've not been able to um, before. So that's the hope. Um, But yeah, the end of this time, and we're going to pray and we're going to worship in a minute, but um, we just want to simply call you uh, to three C's because um, Johnny loves alliteration. Uh, don't you? So the three C's, it's a good to remind, uh, uh, just remember this um, coming month is first, commit. We would love it and invite you to commit to journeying with us um, these next four weeks. You know, we can only say so much right now, but we hope that we will unpack um, what's in our hearts um, over the next four weeks. So we encourage you um, to commit, turn up, be here um, on a Sunday. Bring your open heart and mind uh, to what God might be calling you into. Um, And then secondly, contend. Um, We all know that none of this is possible uh, without the presence of God, without his Holy Spirit um, doing the work, working through us. And so we want to contend, we want this whole um, month, we want it always to be, but we want this month to be um, birthed and bathed um, in prayer. Um, And so there are more opportunities this month for us as a community to join together to pray. Um, One in particular is on a Wednesday evening, we'll be meeting every Wednesday um, to worship and to pray um, over specific things and areas that we would have talked about um, the previous Sunday. 
Um, and so we invite you to join that. You'll, you'll see a slide up there. Um, also, we, you'll see on your seats that you've been given a beautiful um, key ring. Uh, you get free gifts at Trinity. Um, but again, this is just a real um, help to pray when you get your keys out, that you can see it. Oh, I'm, gonna pr I'm praying for fresh fire. I'm praying for new life. Maybe that's all you do when you see your keys. Just pray that. And so we're going to be praying individually and we're going to be joining together um, on a Wednesday. So take that with you. If you haven't got one, then find one of us. We've got stacks of them. Um, so we'll, um, yeah, go ahead and take those. And then, um, is that everything for prayer? Yes. The other thing is just to say that our... Um, our team this month um, are going to be fasting some of the month as well. Um, again, this is a conversation between you and the Lord of how and whether you join us with that. But we just invite you to um, think about what it looks like to fast this month um, as we contend for more of God. Um, and maybe even ask the question as you fast and what that looks like. Um, maybe ask the question, what, what's my part to play? What do you have for me um, this season, this year, this next five years? Where do you want me to step in? Perhaps that could be the question as you fast um, over this next month. Um, for some of us, um, that looks like more uh, fasting, more days. Uh, for most of us, we're just going to fast on a Wednesday. So if you are thinking one day of fasting, then join us um, on a Wednesday. If you have any questions about fasting at all, um, and it's um, yeah triggered... Uh, lots of questions, then speak to Johnny, um, and he'll answer all your questions about fasting. <laughs> uh, the third thing is um, connect. Um, and we will be sending um, emails and prayers that we can be praying together as a community. And so we just simply would love it if, um, firstly, you're on Church Suite, so we've got your um, details so you can receive the emails and the prayer um, that we're praying as a whole community this month, um, but also just to make sure that your um, details are up to date so we're not emailing the wrong people and all of that, or you've moved house. Um, and so just for a moment, um, if you have a look there, if you know that um, you're not signed in, you might want to just use the QR code there and you can do that. Um, or go away and do that um, on your own at home. If you um, struggle with um, Church Suite and anything electronic, um, then we have a team that are going to be up here over the Connect stand there um, and downstairs that can help you sign up to Church Suite. Um, so we've got your details, just so you don't miss out um, on any correspondence this month. Um, yeah. Amazing. Why don't we pray in closing? I don't know if we have a, a worship group. <clears throat> and I just uh, thought of a fourth C. It's just a moment for us to consecrate ourselves together. This is just the beginning of um, that thing, that process that Bishop Paul spoke about, to watching, to praying. And to giving thanks. And so, Father, as we come to the beginning of this journey, we ask for your Spirit to be our guide, our Sherpa, to lead us up the mountain. We pray, God, that you would fill us afresh, would inspire hope, joy, Above all, would you fill us with love, form us with love. Give us faith, the confidence to set out from this place for what's to come. When we think of, uh, I think particularly of Abraham now, 
who set out to a land that he didn't even know in obedience to the call of God. And we pray that you would give us as a community Abrahamic faith, the faith of Abraham and Sarah, to step beyond comfort into the unknown for the sake of the blessing that awaits by walking with you.